want to thank you for joining us today on Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio outreach of Vertical Church here in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series called Poised for Victory, and today we're going to listen to the second part of a message called Standing Up to the Real Enemy. Let's learn together from Ephesians chapter 6. Don't fear, don't ignore, don't despair, don't get distracted. Don't let the enemy distract you. And finally, don't be confused. The enemy is the author of confusion. Remember when I was a kid, I think it was in a song, but I can't remember exactly, but I remember hearing this line. When the devil reminds you of your past, which he sometimes does, he likes to remind us of how we're an utter failure, how we've sinned, how we don't deserve Jesus, which is all true. We don't deserve Jesus. That's why it's grace. It's a gift. When the devil reminds you of your past, you just remind him of his future. I love that. Um, Look with me at verse 11 again. It says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Look down at 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Now, if you take the English or the Greek and you line up 11 and 13, they basically are, you know, kind of saying the same thing in much the same way. The Greek word is stainai, uh, means to stand firm. You're going to see that a few times. Verse 11, it says, that you may be able to stand. Verse 13, that you may be able to withstand and having done everything and having done all to stand. God's into us standing on offense, on defense, on guard duty. God's heart for us is to be spiritually prepared and able to withstand whatever comes our way. So when we're talking about this concept of spiritual battle, uh, we don't need to fear. God's in control, but we do need to do our part. We do need to stand firm. I was thinking about this idea of partial. Partial is a problem. If someone were to tell you, yeah, your car, yeah, we, 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 we did a partial oil change. How do you have a partial oil change? Is there anything under there in or, or, or maybe, you know, you know your, your, your wife tells you and you come back and you say, yeah, I partially changed the baby's diaper. As in, what part did you leave? Um, or I partially went skydiving. You, there's some things you can't partially do and do well. I think that's fair to say. Well, on this idea of standing firm, partial does not work. Think about a warfare context. You can't be partially resisting the enemy. You're either doing it or you're not doing it. Now, one thing that was very interesting as I was studying in this, and again, if you want to understand the context of what Paul's talking about, you need to understand Roman warfare, okay? Romans ruled for almost a millennium. You know, they were ruling the world in various forms. And one of the things they developed, they developed very good discipline and the ability to withstand the enemy under multiple circumstances. They would put their shields together, link them up. They had all kinds of strategies to stand and to hold their ground, both on the offense and on the defense. And that's what Paul is going to be referencing throughout this time. I want to get back to the text here. I'm going to give you four easy ways you can lose to the real enemy. I thought we'd be, you know, real positive, encouraging, you know, uh, this morning. Um, That's pretty important. Because if you lose to the real enemy, it's not going to really matter about your other enemies. Here's the first one, partial protection. 
Four easy ways to lose to the real enemy. Partial protection. It says to take up the, what is it in the text? The whole armor. The whole armor. Well, thanks, buddy, for coming out to fight, but um, where's your sword? Oh, well, I got busy. Uh, shield? Well, I got my breastplate on and I got my shoes on. Isn't that good enough? Uh, partial protection is a problem. We're going to talk about that over the next few weeks. What does it mean to have the whole armor on? Here's the second of the easy ways to lose to the enemy. Uh, partial power. Partial power. It says that you may be able to stand. That uh, you may take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. It's that same word, a dunamis, or it comes from dunamis, that, that word for dynamite, that word for power that we looked at last week. Uh, you can look at that again if you'd like. But notice when it says in verse 10, it says, finally be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Then it says, put on. Being made strong leads us to the question of how am I made strong? And that how is answered with the armor of God. If you want to be strong against the enemy, the way that God provides for you to be strong is to put your armor on. I was thinking of the example. I, I looked up the, um, my boys are big into this, the Avengers, uh, this uh, last couple of weeks. And um, I'm, lear- I'm learning about superheroes right now. I'm, I'm getting an education in superheroes. And um, one of them I know is Iron Man. All right? Stay with me. Stay with me. Okay, and he has this capacity when he puts his armor on to do things that humans can't do. Okay, now transfer that over here to the text. Be made strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Well, how do we do that, God? Put on the whole armor. The way you're made strong, the way you're made able to withstand the enemy and to go on the offensive, as we'll talk about at points, is to put the armor on. Listen, Iron Man is no, I mean, he's good looking and all, but he's not a superhero if he doesn't put on the armor, is he? You might be a great Christian, but if you don't put the armor on, good luck. Partial power. I want to look at number three in a second, but I want to give you three quick verses on the superiority of Jesus Christ over Satan. I don't want to get too far into this without continually reminding ourselves of who's the boss. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of Man, or the reason the Son of God appeared, was to destroy the works of the devil, which continues to this very minute. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same thing, speaking of Jesus, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. Revelation 20, verse 10 says, And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. When we're experiencing spiritual battle, we need to remember that A, Jesus Christ already won the war. We're merely in a form of mop-up, if you will. Second of all, Jesus Christ is actively destroying the enemy one day at a time. And there's going to come a day when all evil and ultimately death itself is removed from reality. Can you imagine how awesome that day is going to be? No death, no suffering. No evil, 
that day's going to come. Can I get an amen on that? I'm, so, I'm sort of excited about that. Yeah, I'm, but we're not there yet. We still get to be in the present battle. There's a lot at stake. Let me give you the third of four easy ways to lose to the real enemy, and that is partial execution. Partial execution. The Roman army ruled the world for centuries because of strategic discipline executed relentlessly. Strategic discipline executed relentlessly. I was reading about their various maneuvers, and the reason why they could go on for centuries in ruling the world was because they were so disciplined. You see, when you can imagine, you know, how, how chaotic you've watched, uh, for example, a Saving Private Ryan or a movie like that with all the intensity of the guns going off and people dying and screaming and all the, no, okay, that's what it was like except hand-to-hand combat. And all of that, I mean, you can imagine what was in people's heads as they're going through this and they're getting weak and they're, they're in, I mean, such intensity. And to be disciplined under fear and intensity and all of the schemes that would be thrown at the Roman army, their discipline, honestly, was what, was what made the empire great. Now, the same is true with Christians. If we become fearful, if we run, if we cower... We're not standing firm, not withstanding. Stand firm here implies a sense of resistance, pressure, even fear. Notice the two things in the text that are going to show up. Notice in verse 11 it says that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Think about right now today. What are the schemes that the enemy is working against you individually or us corporately? We may not think of the enemy is our personal enemy, he does think about us as his personal enemy, and definitely in a corporate sense. Notice also in verse 13, it says that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. What is that exactly? I want to read to you a bit more from this commentator named O'Brien, Peter O'Brien. He writes this, exegetes have understood the phrase, the evil day, as synonymous with the evil days mentioned in Ephesians 5.16 and thus referring to the whole of this present age between the two comings of Jesus. It also is pointing to critical times in believers' lives when demonic hostility is at its worst. He then writes, the apostle is not only speaking of this present time between the two comings of Jesus, but also alerting the believers to the dangers of the devil's schemes on critical occasions in this present evil age. They must always be prepared and put on the full armor of God, for the devil will attack when least expected. Resistance, pressure, fear, despair, confusion are the things that come and can cause us to feel like giving up or relenting or running. When I was a kid, and now I do this with my own kids, there's this game we play called Hide the Keys. The way this game goes is, and you've got to be really careful that somebody wins because you can't really lose the keys, you know. Um, um, I guess it's probably good to play that game with a spare set, but... Um, Anyways, you take the keys, everybody goes into one room and shuts the door, and the one person goes and hides the keys, and then uh, that one person, you know, then all five of us or four of us come running out, and, is it over here, is it over here? And and then at certain points, you can ask, where am I? And that, that person who hit the keys will say, well, you're getting warmer. 
Or if you're going in the wrong direction, it'll say, well, you're colder. You're colder. And so everybody's kind of trying to, you know, is it over here? Is it over here? Is it over here? Am I getting, oh, you're getting warmer, warmer. You know, and, and then I love playing with Micah because his eyes tell the whole thing. Just watch his eyes. How, how warm am I? Well, you're about, how many of you saw my keys sitting over here since the beginning? So anyways, you're getting closer and you're getting closer and you're getting closer. And there's a point at which they say, you're on fire, which means look everywhere around you and grab the keys. Something that encourages me in spiritual warfare, and I think I said this last week, the more heat you feel, often that makes Christians think, oh, I got to back off. This is getting too hot. I, I just got to step back here a little bit, and like we don't want to be ticking the enemy off too much. No, if you're getting hot, you're getting warm, press in. You're almost there. You're almost there. Listen, the enemy doesn't waste his bullets on people that are distracted in the corner eating chocolate. I'm really down on chocolate lately. I don't know. But I do like chocolate. Let me say it this way. When the heat of the battle is strong, you're close to the prize. You're close to the keys. You're close to victory. It might be just a, a battle. It's a part of a larger war. You're trying to see someone come to Christ. You're praying for someone, and, and it seems like there's a lot of chaotic things going on, and why is this happening, and why are these? Uh, just lean in by prayer, because something, and you may not know exactly what, but God knows, is going on there. That may only be a battle. It might not mean they come to Christ. It just means that maybe that God's going to take them one step closer. You don't know what things are going on. All I can say is, with humility, stand firm, and lean in with humility. This is Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church. You know, I love that you're listening to Meeting with God, but I got a question for you. Are you doing the Christian life in isolation? At Vertical Church Columbus, we live out biblical community, not only through our weekend services, but also in grace groups. These small groups meet across the city weekly to encourage one another and care for one another and study God's word together. You know, if you don't have Christians around you in your journey with Christ, let me invite you to Vertical Church. Go to verticalchurch.life. Here's the final of the four easy ways to lose to the real enemy. That is partial identification and understanding of the real enemy. Partial identification and understanding of the real enemy. When I was younger, I went on a missions trip. When I was 11, I went to Uganda. And I remember while we were there, I don't remember exactly where we were at. I think it was the place we were staying. But I remember one night we came home, and there was this fella that had, he was a big kind of burly fella, and he had some literally bow and arrow. And he was the security guard. But the interesting thing about the security guard was his eyesight was somewhat compromised. And when it turned toward dark... He had a really hard time identifying who people really were, which is great if you get home before dark. It's a problem if you come home after dark because he's going to be in what? Shoot first mentality, ask questions later. And those arrows, I'm telling you, they weren't the clean ones that we kill animals with. They had barbs sticking in them. I mean, they were meant to stay in. Now, it's kind of a problem if you have a security guard that is only somewhat able to identify whether you're a predator or whether this is your house or your compound to live on. Sometimes when Christians engage in spiritual warfare, we take a mentality of shoot first and ask questions later. 
that's a problem. It leads to times where Christians are foolish and leads to what I would call friendly fire pain. Instead of asking, what is God doing right now? Where is the enemy involved in this? We just start to say, well, you must be the enemy, so Oh, wait, yeah, I guess you weren't. Uh, It's kind of late now. It also leads us to graceless evangelism. Sometimes the people we see as these evil targets are really people that Jesus Christ is waiting to pour out his grace on. And when we begin to think of physical people, I'll just use a random example. I don't, um, we've all watched what's been going on with Planned Parenthood. We think of people who are butchering babies. However, that person in the video is not the enemy. They're just getting greatly used by the enemy. How many times have you heard stories, if you can read books, of people who were doing that, living that lifestyle, who, in God's mercy, God opened their eyes. And it was a Christian who gently reached out to them, maybe a neighbor, and said, listen, you don't have to live like this. You can experience the grace of Jesus Christ. He can forgive you for even all the evil things you have done. We were at PDHC, a pregnancy center event this week. Uh, There's a woman that got up and shared her story of how she had aborted her child when she was in college and how it had had devastated her life. And she had a hard time even engaging her own, when she later got married, came to the Lord, had a hard time even engaging her own children because of the grief and the the pain that she had experienced and the guilt and the, I'm a murderer. And I'm a, it was amazing how God's grace began to bear fruit in her life and people got around her and led her to an understanding that Jesus can forgive everything and that he loves you even in your failures and he to see the grace of God at work. Sometimes the people we think are the enemy are really God's biggest opportunities. Listen, who's writing this text? Paul is. Paul had murdered Christians and says so. And yet someone was willing to come to him and share the grace of Jesus Christ if you read the book of Acts and lead them to salvation. Isn't that awesome? Make sure you have the right enemy. We need to pray for clarity, be sensitive to the spirit, step back and see the big picture. Here's the biggest thing I would tell you when it comes to spiritual warfare, maybe not the thing you would have expected. You need to be humble. I read this book on humility a couple of years ago, almost 10 years ago now. It so impacted my life that I literally keep it on my desk at all times. Because... As we grow in, as being believers, sometimes we grow in maturity and get proud of our growth, which means we need humility even more. Humility is the one battle you never get over. It only, your pride is the battle you never get over. You only grow in your need for greater humility. If you want to tick the enemy off, I'll just offer this up. If you'd really like to get under the enemy's skin, like he tries to get under ours, be humble. The one defining trait of the enemy is what? Pride. The defining trait of Jesus Christ from Philippians 2 is humility. It's lowering myself, not just before others, but before God. It doesn't mean that I allow myself to be manipulated or used. Listen, true humility is strong. True humility absorbs. True humility is not about me. I'm about Jesus. True humility is not allergic to suffering. True humility sees a great God and a little me. But let me say it again, a great God. That's what true humility is about. In fact, so much I would encourage you, if there's a couple people after the message, I have a couple copies of the book here. I'd be happy just to put one in your hand. The reason why the enemy hates 
humility is because Scripture says that God gives grace to the humble. And when God's grace, when God's channel of his unlimited favor is pouring out into your life and around you, into the people around you, what's the enemy supposed to do? There isn't an answer for that. Grow in humility. Victory, that's what we're after. Victory comes in your wholehearted commitment to God's battle plan. God provides full protective armor for wholehearted engagement, not enough for sloppy, mediocre, distracted, or lazy warriors. I want to read a few verses to you. What is God's battle plan? I want to read just five verses from Scripture. I hope these will encourage you and give you faith. James chapter 4 Verse 6 through 8 says, But he gives more grace, therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. You give him an opportunity... He will definitely take you up on it. 2 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11, speaking of the need for the Corinthians to ask forgiveness, Paul says, anyone you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ so that we would not be outwitted by Satan for we are not ignorant of his designs. 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26 says, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. and They may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. I would gently encourage you today, if you're living in sin, if you have hidden sin you're not dealing with, if you have public sin you're not dealing with, the enemy has you in his snare. Get out of that as fast as you can. Deal with it. Go talk to somebody. Say, I'm sorry. Say, let's, let's work this out. Let's get somebody else involved that can help us. Finally, 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9 says, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Today. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. They were in a season of suffering, physical suffering. I love this verse, James 4, 7. This is one that I've used repeatedly in my life. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Listen, as believers, we are seated with Jesus Christ, as Ephesians says. We are empowered. Christ dwells in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. When the enemy sees us, he smells defeat. So let's give it to him. But the way we do it is not by running off in our own strength and trying to attack his people around us or people that are influenced by him. The way we do it is we submit ourselves to God We yield up and surrender every aspect of our lives to him. Then in God's power, we resist him, and he has no choice but to flee. That's how we fight. That's how we execute God's plan. The very end, it says, having done all, to stand firm. You have to do it all. 
There's no way where you can sort of skip on a few things. But if you have done all, I want to set your expectations right. If you do all that God says to do, it does not mean that the enemy will automatically surrender. It just means that you'll win the battle. Sometimes we have this perspective, well, if I do everything God's way, my life will be perfect, I'll get a job, my spouse will be easy to deal with, and I'll love him or her, and my kids will get A's in school, they'll get you know, a full scholarship to Ohio State. Of course not Michigan. They'll get everything, everything will work out, I'll have nice neighbors move next door, I won't have to deal with any problems, someone will give me a brand new car. It is not what scripture promises. Scripture does not promise a pass on trials. It promises victory over them. Okay. As long as your expectations are right, come prepared to fight. Fight the right way. In God's plan, you will win. We will win. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. We hope you were encouraged in your own relationship with Jesus Christ today. If you would like to hear other messages from Pastor Luke Aarons, please subscribe to our Vertical Church Columbus podcast. There you will find an extensive collection of sermons from Vertical Church worship services and other unique content from Pastor Luke, which will enrich your faith and point you to Christ. You can find the podcast by searching Vertical Church Columbus wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for spending part of your day with us. As always, we hope you'll join us here tomorrow at the very same time for your meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.